Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. There are many places that define and confirm where people truly stand. You could be beside, in front of, behind, or next to, and all those places can give a false sense of security regarding your salvation and eternal life. Many are deceived to believe they possess the power and ability to put themselves in the best place in order to experience the fullness of life. Yet, the simple truth, although the world places a tremendous amount of emphasis on all you can be, it's only temporary, and the only result you'll find is really only about you. You must know and understand spiritual wholeness goes well beyond your own works and righteousness. Because the plain old truth, there is only one place to dwell that provides the evidence and confirms the truth, power, and duration that results from God's workmanship alone. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship, the Way of Life, in Him. Now, I must testify to the truth of God with an NGA mindset. You know, no gray area. There are only two places to be in this life on this planet, and that's either in Jesus or outside of Jesus. It's been a while since I touched on the NGA mindset, and the NGA mindset is hinged on two words. They are either and or. So, listen to God's NGA mindset once again. You are either in Jesus or in Adam, alive or dead, found or lost, see or blind, sheep or goat, hear or deaf, cripple or walk, truth or lies, heaven or hell, wheat or tear, light or darkness, eternal life or eternal damnation, captive or free, righteous or unrighteous, out of the world or of the world, and a child of the only true God or a child of the devil, NGA. Now, if you walk in your spirituality with an NGA mindset, oh, you got to believe you will hold yourself in check, but only by the power and work of God the Holy Spirit. That's the plain old truth, because without his occupation, you're going to do as you please, whatever that is. Because without God the Holy Spirit's occupation, you know his presence and work, you will live according to the flesh. You need evidence? It's Galatians 5.17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Now that sounds like to me, if the spirit is not winning, you're going to be doing as you please. Now, remember the deeds of the flesh, and they are evident to not only yourself, if anyone cares to really look, but also to others who are looking and listening. Now, just as a reminder, here are the deeds of the flesh as God sees them. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, enmities, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, as God testifies in Galatians 5, 19-21. Now, I pray God reveals and illuminates any practice of the deeds of your own flesh. Amen? So, this is how it applies to me. Because 
the truth. I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for you. You can't speak for me, but I can only speak for myself. So the simple truth, I will either practice righteousness or I'll practice unrighteousness, NGA. In other words, if I am living in the flesh, I will either practice sin or practice righteousness. And if I'm practicing sin, it will be immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, lying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Or I will practice righteousness. And the righteousness I practice, my fellow disciples, it's the righteousness of God in him. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This practice of righteousness, <clears throat> excuse me, is not your own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus because this is how God sees one cloaked in their own righteousness. It's Isaiah 64, 6. Or all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Now, first things first. With an NGA mindset, you have either clean or unclean, no gray area. Trying to live to impress God with a performance for oneself and others is only that, a performance, and the idol is you. And to think that you could impress God as a means to get your eternal life ticket, go to heaven, makes one more defiled because in a behavior like that, you think your own works could be compared to the work of the perfect lamb, and that lamb is with a capital L, and his name is Jesus. Now, you can look at it like this. You have clothed yourself with the brightest white garment as it appears to you, and when you look at it, it seems to be, but when God, with his perfect and penetrating vision, looks at you standing there with a prideful demeanor and your total dependence on yourself, God sees all the crimson on the collar, the sleeves, the cuffs, in the back and the front, on the inside, in the thread, and on the top and the bottom. And you are proclaiming what? Your own righteousness? No, no, my fellow disciples, you are only righteous in him. As a disciple of Jesus, God has placed you in Jesus at the foundation of the world. Here's God the Father's possession change. It's John 17, 9. Jesus says, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And John seventeen twenty, 
I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Well, that would be you and me, my fellow disciples. Listen to Ephesians 1.4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. You are justified by God and freed by God's sovereign grace through and by the redemption of Jesus' blood. Because as God says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So the simple truth, being in Jesus is eternal life. And outside of Jesus is eternal damnation. That's the plain old truth. Today we'll be diving into this profound truth of God that you, as a disciple of Jesus, must be in Jesus to live out the fullness that God intends to perform in the lives of those who are in his Son. As a disciple of Jesus, I am living out the calling that God has placed on my life. And as a result, I am compelled to proclaim him. Remember Colossians 1, 28 and 29? We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Did you hear it? Present every man complete in Christ. This work of God goes well beyond just information, reading materials, personal goals, and accumulated stuff. It's God's work of salvation in and through the lives of his disciples. And as his disciple, I will bring God's word to your ears, your mind, your heart, by the work, teaching, and power of God the Holy Spirit. I pray God in his love, mercy, and grace for you will reveal, unveil, and illuminate his truths in you by the power, work, teaching, and occupation of God the Holy Spirit. Every human being must heed the truth and warnings of God. And when you do, it's like a cup of refreshing water. God's word and work will provide replenishment for the dehydrated, refreshment for the famished, and invigorate those who are fighting the good fight. Now, this is the simple truth. You can try to be in anything with anybody you desire to be with, no question about it, and may get away with your being an imposter for a period of time. But when the one with a capital O, who's responsible for his own, will separate just as obviously and accurately as the shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. Listen to this truth of God that God spoke through Matthew in Matthew 25, 32. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And I would venture to say, pretty easy for God to dif differentiate between a sheep he made and a goat he made. 
There is a coming a time, excuse me, there is a time coming in God's predetermined plan when the final determination of God will transpire for those created in the image and likeness of God. And this gathering will be from Adam to the last person standing. There will be no one left out. God in his infinite wisdom, holiness, and justice will separate humanity into either the friend or enemy, beloved or despised, wheat or tare, godly or wicked, and all of which have been dwelling together in your homes, cities, states, counties, and churches. And because God is the only one who knows, because he's sovereign over all of his creation. You may have been looking at what you perceived as wheat, when in actually, it's a tear. And because you thought what you saw was wheat, you didn't realize that you only recognized them so well was because you were using yourself as the guide. And this saying can apply on both sides of the aisle. Believe that. And this is the saying. It takes one to know one. NGA. God testifies to this truth in Matthew 13, 29 through 31. But he said, No, for a while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let me ask you this. Do you think any tares will be able to jump piles? Now I know that sounds like a ridiculous question, but it's also really ridiculous to think that one could make themselves wheat. Just look at the principle of the wheat and the tares. So the sower sows wheat in his field. So, when they grow, what are they? Wheat. And there's no mistake, like a few may become corn or barley. No, the sower sowed wheat into the soil, which is the heart, and the wheat it will become. Yes or no? Now, how do tell did the tares get into the wheat for them to grow together? Well, God gives us an answer in Matthew 13, 27 and 28. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So, the plain old truth, when God sows wheat, it's wheat. And when the enemy implants tares, their tares, NGA. So why would it be good for me to be in Jesus? Now, that would be a good question to ask, would it not? And why would it be a good question? A short answer? Because the God of this world is blinding the minds of the unbelieving, as 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 testifies, and is enticing, tempting, and persuading their eyes, mind, and hearts, and trapping them in a snare. 
It's God and only God who delivers you from the snare you would never see. Listen to this wonderful promise of God. It's Psalm 91.3. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. And walking with an NGA mindset, you know, the no gray area, if it's not in Jesus, then who are you in? You're in trouble. And this trouble is detrimental to your eternal existence. May I ask, if someone was to ask you, why would it be good to be in Jesus? How would you answer? And what would you say? Would you use the empty line of, so you don't go to hell, bruh? I know there's a lot of opinions about salvation and eternal life that are out in this world and not of God. And you can rest assured if what you're hearing is not focused on and directing you to Jesus, then the plain old truth it's of the world and it's directed by the God of this world and you are in his snare. Now, to answer that question of why would it be good to be in Jesus, first of all, it confirms you have an eternal relationship with God. Many have religion and religion is man-based and it's based solely on works. A relationship with God is not based on your work. It's based solely on the finished work of Jesus. Now, all that Jesus represents is passed on to you, my fellow disciples. And because the righteousness of God is in him, this is a monumental blessing for the created being to experience and live out. You are no longer an enemy of God. Listen to this truth of God. It's James 4.4. 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Therefore, as a disciple of Jesus, you are now a son or daughter, heirs according to promise. Listen to this wonderful promise in Galatians 3.29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Jesus' grace and the means for you to function as a disciple are infused into your spiritual existence. God completes his supernatural heart and spirit transplant as God promised in Ezekiel 36, 26. To be in Jesus, God reveals the mystery of God the Father's will for you as his disciple. Listen to Ephesians 1.9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. And by the work of God the Holy Spirit, you, as a disciple of Jesus, are sealed in him. Listen to Ephesians 1.13. In him 
You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Salvation and eternal glory is only in Jesus. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.10. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Furthermore, the life of God's Spirit has made you alive. And you are not only in Him, God's Spirit is alive in you. Listen to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And now, as a disciple of Jesus, you now live for Jesus in and by God the Holy Spirit's power, teaching, and work. This life of discipleship is not something you just add to your life like some accessory to your wardrobe or to your car. God's design for discipleship is not being a spouse, parent, employee, child, sibling, and friend who now becomes a disciple and adds this way of life to this already cluttered and busy life you live. Discipleship becomes your way of life. Therefore, you who are now living as a disciple of Jesus and God's Spirit living in you, you are a disciple who's a spouse, a parent, employee, employer, child, sibling, and friend. And as you grow and mature in your spirituality, your relationship with God continues to grow, mature, and flourish. You begin to express the love of God flowing through your bones to God, yourself, and others. You begin to understand the power of faith, and you begin to see God's faithfulness in your life even when you were unfaithful. A deeper level of trust begins to develop and you begin to understand what God means by obedience. You start looking to God versus looking to yourself, others, and the world. You appreciate and are extremely grateful for the sufficiency of God's grace, the vastness of his forgiveness, and the depth of his mercies, which are new every morning. Praise God makes me want to proclaim the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. You'll hear it at the end. Now you understand why I close with that every time. And Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together, as Colossians 1.17 testifies. And my fellow disciples, you are in all things. So, it was God, is God, and will always be God holding you together. Amen? For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. 
as Colossians 1.19 affirms. And the simple truth, Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You need a directional map through this dark and evil world. We need a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in this world. And as a disciple of Jesus, for your spirituality and how you are to live as a spouse, parent, employee, employer, child, sibling, and friend, then walk in him. Look at your spiritual growth this way, all right? You are a runner or walker or workout enthusiast. And you need to continually develop and build endurance and perseverance in order to maintain and reach your goals. Do you not? And your routine has become embedded into your existence. Well, your spirituality is the same. Listen to this promise of God in Colossians 2.7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. And because in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, as Colossians 2.9 testifies, and in that fullness God enriches your life, and that's the God's honest truth. For this reason, God and his foreknowledge and predetermined plan is where Ephesians 2.10 becomes fully activated in your life. Listen, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What does this walking in God's workmanship really look like? Well, God made you alive when you were spiritually dead. God found you because you were lost. God made you a sheep versus a goat. God gave you eyes to see and perceive and ears to hear and understand. God gave you the ability and the opportunity to walk spiritually with him. God has given you eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Listen to what God testifies, and it's 1 John 5.11. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And you are now a light of God in a dark and wicked world. And as God's spirits, words, and truth are alive in you, you are a child of the only true God. Take note of John 12, excuse me, John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, if we just looked at one word in there, gave, he gave the right to become. Who's doing it? And I know that the world tempts 
with position, prestige, and power. And that's to continue to lure away from the truth of God. But there is only one designation that should matter to you more than anything this evil world has to offer. And it's this. It's what God said through his disciple in John in 1 John 3.10. But this the children of, excuse me, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. 1 John 3.10 By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. You begin to live in this righteousness of Jesus and rest in the truth of God's word and his promises and live as a free from the captivity of sin and death because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to that again. It's Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the simple, unadulterated truth. No condemnation for those who are in Jesus. And condemnation for everyone else. That's the plain old truth. May I ask? Are you in Jesus? And as you walk by the Spirit, you remember the wonders God has carried out in and through your life. And you know in your heart that, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, as Colossians 3, 3 affirms. As we head back up, take this with you. The plain old truth with an NGA mindset in order to live eternally in God's presence with the key word being in, you must be in Jesus. Romans 10.14 testifies how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Romans 15:12 proclaims, again Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles hope. Without being in Jesus, my fellow disciples, there is no hope. Ephesians 1.7 makes known, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2.18 states, Or, through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father.
Ephesians 3.12 testifies, in whom we have boldness and confidence, access through faith in him. And remember, with God, there is no gray area. And 1 John 2.5 confirms, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, there's so much deception going about. And obviously you know. And it is impossible for us to fully grasp this mystery of Jesus. How unfathomable are his riches and unlimited is his supply of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. We are in awe of your goodness and your love for us. Without Jesus' presence, there is no hope. There are no treasures on the face of this planet that could ever surpass the richness that we have received from you in him. You have made it known that Jesus is our peace and by his blood, and his life, and his sacrifice. You have made both groups into one and have broken down the dividing wall. Empower us as your disciples to grow up in our spirituality in all aspects into him. And on that day, may we be found not having a righteousness of our own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus, the righteousness which comes from you on the basis of faith. I ask all these things by the power of your Spirit in Him. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now you know why I say that at the end. Because God was faithful even when I wasn't. And I truly am eternally grateful for his mercy, loving kindness, and his grace. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.